Oh, one would certainly hope, don't you think? Yeah, one would, in fact, think. Yes, quite. One would. Wouldn't one? Mm. Mm. <clears throat> well, welcome back to uh, another episode of Stargate Weekly. Yes, we're calling it that again. <laughs> uh, hey, due to uh, the magic of editing, we've always called it that. <laughs> Definitely leaving that in. I'm Stuart Hollis. I'm joined, as always, by... Fat Hate. This week, we are going to discuss Season 1, Episode 13, Fire and Water. Uh, honestly, I'm going to skip asking you what you remember, because you did the rewatch so recently, you remember all of the things. On um, this one, not so much. Okay, I mean, also, me neither. Certainly not by the name... Not even by the little, you know, picture on TV Guide or IMDb, which I kind of cheated with uh, last episode. But, uh, yeah, no, nothing. Nothing for me on this episode, and well, apparently nothing for you either. I had a vague memory of what happened, but certainly the details were no longer clear in my head. Okay, okay. So, our TV Guide synopsis is while the SG-1 team members think he's dead, Jackson is held prisoner by an alien. I mean, yeah, that that works. Uh, yeah, but I, I, you know, I pity the fool who read that before they watched the episode. Yeah, because like for the first fifteen minutes, you don't know that Jackson's still alive. Right. No. Exactly. So I mean, come on, guys. You know, why be big old jerks about that? It's like the blurb for the second half of uh, Children of the Gods. Right. No. So for me, the the big themes from the episode were PTSD, mm-hmm. which they never. A hundred percent call out. I think maybe Fraser. I can't remember if Fraser like fully says post traumatic stress. No, I don't think so. Frankly, General, I'm more worried about their post traumatic symptoms. Uh, but I could be wrong, and you're welcome to add us at Stargate Weekly on Twitter. Yes, quite, quite. Uh, so another theme uh, was Bellos, and as a larger picture, whether Amaroka was actually part of Babylonian history, uh, and then finally, memory alteration. Those two were sort of the three big yeah. points in the episode. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Okay, so what uh, what stuck out to you while watching this? Um, one thing that I actually put in my outline, because I didn't actually like do a thing of my notes on this on this one, because I felt like mm-hmm. I like pretty mm-hmm. much covered everything in the outline, but uh, at the end, Daniel calls the alien Nem. I don't recall the alien ever introducing himself. I believe you're right. Uh, when I saw that in your outline, I was actively watching the episode. And yes, I, I, I believe you're correct that Nem never introduces himself. So I guess maybe there was a deleted scene or there was something they had intended for him to introduce himself at one point and then decided not to. But yeah, I suppose if I had had more time and hadn't lost track of days this week, I would have gone back and rewatched strictly for the purpose of seeing if he ever says his name. But oh, well, I didn't because I didn't. Yeah, I I watched the episode twice. I don't need to. Didn't really need to do it a third time just for that. Th- that being said, I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, no, I. It wasn't, and certainly by season one standards, it was pretty darn good. No, absolutely. I mean, if you want to grade it on a curve like that, but I would certainly say that it. You know, I've been keeping track of whether thinking an episode is good, bad, or eh, and I, you know, I gave it a solid good. Yeah, no, it it was pretty decent. Uh, and. Which just surprised me, because, like, for some reason, this is in my head as one that I don't like, which is why I have skipped it other mm-hmm. times. I wonder how much of that is because it's largely a slow burn. It's a... Not a lot happens no. in this episode. It is the second time that we think Daniel Jackson is dead. Okay, what was the first time? Well, I guess we, the viewer, never thought he was the first time, but, like, as far as the records of Stargate Command... Oh, okay. So, that made me think of when they're doing the funeral for Jackson. Mm -hmm. Where's the gate opened to? I was wondering that myself. (laughs) Uh, I mean, are the people of Abydos 
about to get, you know, they're like wondering why the gates open, and then all of a sudden, like, the wreath floats through. It's like, what the... Yeah, I was wondering that, too. I'm also kind of wondering, what was Teal'c's impression of American military funeral custom? And what is Teal'c gonna do with that flag? Same thing I do with my grandfather's flag, man. You just, you put it in a box, in like a, what well, in a display case. Not a, you know, box, because you know, like I have it in like a, my closet or something. Like, no, it's in a display case in you know, a prominent picture. You walk into my apartment and there it is. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the flag that was on my paternal grandfather's casket. Also, I don't fully know the military protocol, mm-hmm. but does Daniel even get a flag? Because he wasn't in the military. Oh, okay. That's where, that's where you're going. Because having attended a military funeral for my maternal grandfather. I mean, I also attended it for my paternal, but I was two or three. Right. So I don't remember any of the details. But my maternal grandfather passed uh, April of last year. So it's still very fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, yeah, no, they largely got that correct. Within the realms of the fact that, you know, they didn't oh, have a... Yeah, yeah, no, no, the folding the yeah. flag, and yeah, yeah. No, that yeah, part, yeah. yes, but Daniel didn't serve. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't know. I didn't even think about that side of it, or, you know, to look up whether it, civilian attachments to military uh, units would, would get such treatment. I don't know. Huh. All right, let's just, you know, let's just chew on that for a minute. <laughs> Uh, okay, no, so what stood out for me? One of the thing, one of the first things that kind of popped for me once with, once the episode got going, I remembered. Oh no! I mean, well, a obviously Daniel's not dead, but also, oh, okay, I that's a recurring theme, right? Started getting you know vague recollections of the episode, very, very, very vague. Mm-hmm. But the first thing that kind of popped for me was, isn't it supposed to be pronounced cuneiform, or is that a more? I've always heard it pronounced cuneiform. Yeah, right. So it seems odd that the anthropologist who apparently well, it's supposed to be pronounced Goa Ood, but he's still pronouncing it Gould. So at least he's not saying Goulds this time. That's very true. All right, so we open with an off-world activation that was perhaps not on the official schedule of the day. But they don't say that. They don't say it. And they definitely do say it's not scheduled because he asks if there's anything one scheduled and Walter says no. And obviously we get Walter. Yeah. Um oh, and he also then says to the Stargate room because they have apparently not decided to call it the gate room yet or the embarkation room. Right, which they did call it in a previous episode. Yeah, I was doing a callback to 2001 the episode but we're not there yet right that's not gonna be for god what three seasons four seasons more many seasons because we get 2010 before we get 2001 oh that's right 2001 was the sequel yes which is hilarious oh no i'm sorry 2010 is the one with the with the embarkation room so yeah that's not important but i think it does go 2010 then 2001 yes which is which is yes the opposite of Mm -hmm. And I'm sure someone was thinking that. Oh, man, of course they were. (laughs) Otherwise, it would have been like, you know, 2011 and 2002 or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know if they were planning to make 2001 when they made 2010, though. I don't know. I mean, you know, if we get cool enough, maybe we can ask the writers directly. Maybe. But first, we need a triumphant video. Yeah. Although, actually, I think by that, uh, starting with... I think it's season four or season five. There's um, commentary for every episode, so we might a- I might actually find out just on-, on watching the DVD. Cheater! Just saying, we could have our own commentary. It's true. With blackjack and the series writers. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so the team comes back through soaked uh, and in shock. And in shock, as Doctor Fraser points out to us. Also, hey, Doctor Fraser. Mm-hmm. Although I suppose at a certain point we need to stop pointing out things like Dr. Fraser and Walter because they're going to be on like every single episode. Honestly, I have notated for every episode whether it has or does not have Walter. It's like a mental note, but I'm glad that you're actually writing it down. Seriously, it's important. (laughs) Like, I'm not lying. So, off to the 
med bay infirmary room thank you that was the word i needed where were you brain and uh i had to scroll i had to go back in time to see what they called it to be sure when i was you know writing in the outline because i wanted to give it the right name uh yeah she does a little bit of debriefing interviewing uh, whatever you want to call it they're still clearly in shock and jack jack at least is super photosensitive apparently i guess that's a thing that happens you know they then get later debriefed uh fraser tells hammond but they're debriefed individually yes no you're right no i thought about that Leading up to them, before I realized they were being debriefed individually, when I maybe this was like a fragment of a recollection or just the idea that, well, obviously Daniel's not dead. Right. So them thinking he's dead must be some sort of false memory in some way. Maybe having them all debriefed together is a bad idea. And, oh, look, they got debriefed individually. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they they cut it together nicely so that basically they were still all three saying the same story. They're just cutting back and forth between the different people. Yes. So, okay, so thinking about that scene, do you think it would have been better... So we very quickly find out, figure out that they're being debriefed individually. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would have been more interesting or better if that had been reversed? where how it was cut, it made it look like the camera was just moving from person to person, and they were all at the table together telling the story, and then we find out they were all individual? Uh, uh, No, that would have been weird. Uh, Okay. And not necessary for the story. I'm not a filmmaker, it's just one of those things. Sure. So then we get to Frasier, and one of the big themes that I want to touch on, I mean, we already have hints of it, but Fraser calling out that they're going through, like I said, I don't think she explicitly calls it out as post-traumatic stress disorder, but that's what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And what I tried to do was I was trying to look up what are the current modern treatments within the military for PTSD, and the best I could find on relatively short notice was simply that the armed forces have largely unified their treatment of PTSD. Well, that makes sense. Right, but this was, I mean, this is as of, like, 2012 they said they had done it. Huh. Right, so for a while they definitely were not. But just ensuring that service members, both active and retired, are receiving the same basic protocols with regard to post-traumatic stress. Another thing I found out was that it's about 3%, maybe 5% of the population at large that will experience PTSD, some form of PTSD, within their lifetime. It's 25% uh, for armed service members who have experienced combat. I mean, it makes sense that it would be much higher. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, But even like 1 in 4, to me, struck me as kind of high yeah um i mean they don't get into like the full range of what one can be affected with with regard to ptsd but still i mean that's you know that's the significance so it is very good that they're working on new treatments i remember seeing one treatment being done at a army hospital where they were doing something called mask therapy where they the soldiers which I will use as a stand-in for soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines. Mm. So I don't have to go through soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines. Servicemen? Okay, if you want to be all sexist and service include people? our service women. Service people, sure, but soldiers quicker. Yeah, okay, how about troops? Hey, there you go. Yes. Uh, in this case, it was actually, I think, literally an army hospital treating soldiers. But, yes, so they have the the troops that are affected by PTSD. They make and paint these masks that in some way represent the trauma that they went through. Mm -hmm. And anytime they are experiencing a reliving of the trauma, they get the mask out of a box so they can focus on it and 
often with time the mask stays in the box longer and longer and longer because it only needs to come out of the box when they're reliving the incident mm-hmm. so they can channel into it and focus on it and so as time goes on it spends less time out of the box which means that they are reliving the incident less and less and less which is obviously what we're going for sure the main thing that i was trying to look up was general hammond's suggestion and firm belief it seemed that the best way to combat what they're going through is to throw them back into the thick of it well that was i mean that that was uh standard practice at one time what i was trying to look up and it I may have just been using the wrong search terms or not giving enough time was to see when, when was that common practice? How common was that practice? And when did we start hewing away from that? I feel like we should have started hewing away from that before the late nineties, but maybe not. I mean, in a lot of ways, the armed services are fairly cutting edge, but in many, many other ways, they're incredibly slow to react. Yep. And I feel like it's the softer side of things, as it were, the softer sciences, where they have been much, much slower to react. Yeah. Uh, For good or for ill, I mean, to a certain perspective, I can see the argument in favor of the old way of doing things when it comes to, say, training the troops Mm. uh, and building group dynamics. But I kind of feel like that also ignores a hundred plus years of group dynamic research and study that could be useful. So it definitely seems that Fraser has more of the New World methodology in mind, where PTSD is a actually serious thing that needs to be treated as a serious thing. And you can't be like, oh, well, they're just, you know dealing with some stuff throw them back in the mix they'll they'll solve it and that's just a that's just a a common reaction a common flawed and incorrect reaction to mental health problems in general oh no absolutely and you know you you see any number of web comics and whatnot where it's the it's the standard thing where someone has a cold and they say oh well i have a cold and everyone's like oh been there take your time get over it or someone breaks a bone and obviously it's immediately visible that they've done this but again everyone is like oh well you know like this is a problem you have to solve like solve your problem but someone says they're depressed and it's oh well just stop being depressed yeah i mean that's honestly if someone says "Eh, i can't do anything i have a cold i'm unless like it's a, like, ridiculous cold. I am going to look a little down on them. Okay, how about the flu? All right, there we go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, as someone who has dealt with and is currently going through a bout of, uh, you know, some degree of depression, like, not... It, it's never been debilitating for me, but... I get it. You know, you get into this place. Oh, and the the same exact thing has definitely been a recurring thing for me, too. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And in the same way for me, it's never been such that I'm completely debilitated, but it does definitely affect things. Oh, no, absolutely. Extra appreciation for Fraser mm-hmm. for recognizing the problem and throwing her medical weight around to make sure that the team gets the time they need. And if this were a different show or even just a different uh, plot, then maybe we would actually explore them getting the treatment that they needed. But in this case, as we later find out, it's that they realize that something's wrong mm-hmm. with how they remember it, which happens at the, at the wake, right? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, they have some of the flashbacks at the wake, uh, but they, they haven't yet realized that there's anything specifically wrong. Uh, it's at, um, it's at Daniel's apartment that they realize that there's, that they, they all realize they've been having the same visions and that there is definitely something wrong. That's right. Yes. So, 
after Fraser and Hammond have that conversation, then we have the funeral, which we've already discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there isn't really much more to say on that one. No. Uh, then the next scene is literally like 30 seconds long. Daniel wakes up in a room and calls out for the team and no one answers. Jack! Sam! Tilk! Uh... And then we do have the wake at Jack's house, which is cool. We get to see Jack's house again, uh, which I find it interesting. I guess it must uh, it must be a real house that they happen to have because they they return to that exact set for Jack's house multiple times throughout ten years. Oh no, they absolutely do. I mean, you know, when we were when they were doing the walkthrough of it, I'm like, oh, I know that house. He's going to offer somebody a Guinness, but he doesn't. <laughs> no, he does not. I hear it's an excellent place for food. food. (laughs) (laughs) But Sam asked for just a beer, because obviously they haven't gotten an endorsement deal with Guinness yet. (laughs) And, you know, at someone's house, that's, that's a situation where you really can just ask for a beer. That, as opposed to all those times in shows and movies where people walk into a bar and ask for a beer. Yeah, I feel like... Up until a certain point in like in American history, one actually maybe could walk into a bar and just ask for a beer and not get like too much grief from the bartender because they'd only have maybe ten on tap tops, most of them interchangeable anyway. But nowadays, especially, you can't go to just a party and ask for a beer because you might get some sort of crazy wackadoo. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't because I'd be afraid I'd get an IPA. That's what I'm saying. I want, I, you know, I wasn't <laughs> going to go there because I care about our listeners and whether or not they care about IPAs, even if they're wrong. You know, but if you like IPAs, that's fine, dear listener. Go, go for it. Drink all of them. God, please clear the cooler of the IPA so I can get straight at the lagers and wheat beers that, you know, like real men drink. Whoa! Okay. I'd like to point out that was definitely Stuart that said that, not me. I'm going to rework that whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) But no, by all means, drink all of the IPAs in the cooler so I can get at the other beers that I like. So anyway. (laughs) No, sorry. While we were talking, the arm came off my chair. Uh, (laughs) Okay. I I was fiddling with it. (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't like completely spontaneous. Oh, that would that would have been funnier. Yeah, I think that's going to be the uh, the cold open. <laughs> okay, so they're at the wake. Jack has a episode. Yeah, he's while pouring a beer. Yeah, he has. He sees the flashback that they all see at various points, mm-hmm. and he. Yes. So then we have Jack. Oh no! Uh, sorry. Then we have we cut back to Daniel where he first meets Nem, who I still don't think ever says he's Nem. Uh, nope. And he sees there's cuneiform that he tells the alien is cuneiform. I'm not sure why. And especially since he had, in fact, we don't know this yet, but with future knowledge, we know he told this alien it was cuneiform already. Right, but we quickly find, like, you know, we, we we pretty quickly find out that the alien has memory altering technology. Eh, I suppose that's true. So, you know, that we later find out in the episode that Jack has already told him his cuneiform just reinforces. Oh no, wait, his memory got spaced out as well. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, he shows him the cuneiform that he translated as reveal fate omaraka and mm-hmm. he asks what omaraka is and the alien you know knocks him over because you know that's what you do yes then we cut back to jack who is shooting street hockey apparently and uh he breaks uh, hammond's car window we don't know it's hammond's yet but yes <laughs> I didn't never remember that it was Hammond's, but as soon as Hammond walks off, like at the end of this, he's going to say that's my car, just because that seemed like exactly what would happen in that situation. And hey, I was right. Honestly, that had not occurred to me, but you know, good on you for figuring that out. It's just the sort of thing that happens a lot on 
things. Okay. Thank you for, nar- for you know, really narrowing that down. <laughs> You're welcome. And uh, Jack says he's considering retirement. But Hammond says, before you do that, I need you to clean out Daniel's apartment. I'm seemed like a little... I guess this is Hammond's way of putting them back to work without, you know, making them... without having them actually go back to work and violate what, what he promised Fraser. I mean, I don't know if it's just like a promise thing. I honestly don't know how much latitude the chief medical officer for, uh, you know, like in, any given command has in this scenario. But I think it's possible that she could have made it like an official order that even Hammond had to comply with. And this is where I don't know enough about our military to know. I know on Star Trek they can do that. But yeah, I guess it just seemed weird that Hammond's like, I know you have a lot on your mind. How about you go clear out Daniel's apartment? Right, because that's not any of the stuff that's on your mind. Yeah, it just seemed odd. Okay, so they're clearing out his apartment. Teal is looking at this not-quite-chess chess game. Uh-huh. They all have... You know, they all come to the realization that something's not right about their memory. It's been influenced. And, I don't know, I guess at this point we cut back to Jackson working with Nim, the alien, on trying to Who figure out... Who has apparently learned English now. You know, I mean, it's not hard. But Jackson is kind of... Honestly, I appreciate the fact that in this case, the alien did actually learn English and wasn't just speaking it from the get-go. Yes. No, that's good. I like that. But yeah, no, Jackson, in his very Jackson sort of way, is exasperated with the alien for being like, well, I want to help you because I'm Jackson, but you're not giving me enough to help you with, so, you know, buzz off. Yeah, the alien's like, nope, you're gonna tell me about Omaraka or you will die. Right. But he does give him food and, like, a weird, like, shelf cot so there's that hey man i love a good shelf cot mm-hmm. so i mean through all of the so at a certain point we figure out that the alien somehow knows about babylon and he's talking about someone named bellus and i looked this up a bit oh what was he real yes bellus was an actual babylonian god who was actually potentially originally a greek god so bellus like as the name might just be sort of like a stand-in based on my very brief research Mm -hmm. but in greek mythology he would have been the son of poseidon Ah. yeah imagine that so you know that adds to the water motif i suppose yes now there was actually a babylonian goddess of the salt sea ah Cannot, I did not write down her name. It so was not Omaraka? It was not Omaraka. And it's kind of a shame that they didn't use that name, but Wikipedia didn't, did not exist when this came out, so actual research for this sort of thing would have been a lot trickier. Yeah. They probably would have had to talk to like at least grad students. Yeah, like the internet was a thing, and I'm sure there was there were pages devoted to Babylonian history. But... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been rewatching the Mission Impossible movies. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, Mission Impossible 1, when Ethan Hunt goes on the 1995 internet <laughs> to all these different news groups for like, Bible study news groups, trying to throw out like Bible chapters at people, trying to find Job mm. to, you know, the person who had, hot, who had paid to have his team killed. So. I'm glad that I came into the internet at a time after news groups and like as it was like really starting to get going with like websites. Yeah, like news groups were definitely around when we were of the age that we were first using the internet, but it wasn't a thing I was aware of until after they had mostly given way to forums and such. Right. So this has been uh, the latest episode of internet history as told by Stuart and Thad Weekly. And now even forums are much less of a deal than they used to be, thanks to social media. Which is sad. Yeah, I miss forums. What do you mean you miss? I I go to a forum like three times a day. I still go to forums, but they're certainly not as active or as many of them as there used to be. Hmm, harumph. Okay, so what else has been happening? 
All right. So uh, Fraser discovers that they have low serotonin, but that does not account for their symptoms. And, but they do all have the same dark anomaly thing in their brain scans. So uh, that means there's something up. Then there's an off-world activation, and... Was it scheduled, the, the off-world activation? This one actually was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so they rush to the gate room because they all expect it to be Daniel, and in fact, uh, it looks like it is Daniel at first, and then it turns into a bald guy. Okay. Who stares at Jack like, what are you doing? Like a super grizzled bald guy. Yeah. I recall. Like super... Yeah, no, that guy's seen things. And at first I thought... He was a that guy, and then I realized, no, he's a what guy. <laughs> so going to make what guy a thing. Sure, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Hamlin comes down, he's like, what are, you go- what are you guys doing? And they say that they're, they all have conflicting memories. They all, believe- they all remember Daniel dying, but they all are sure that Daniel is alive. And Jack's like, we have to go back. And then he cuts off clutching his head because presumably the conditioning is forcing him not to go back. Yeah. So then we go back to Daniel. Uh, the alien tells him he cannot leave because it, and needs to tell him what he knows about Babylon. And Daniel's like, dude, I... Okay, you are asking me to remember something that happened thousands and thousands of years before I was born. To tell you something that I, I couldn't... Possibly... I've read a whole whole bunch of books and I don't for sure know everything about Babylon. Can you give me anything other than Omaraka? And this is when he says Belus. And Daniel vaguely remembers that Belus was a conqueror. Right. And uh, Nem doesn't believe him, thinks he's lying because he's a, ser- a servant of the Gould. And this is where Daniel says, no, no, we totally got rid of the Gould a while ago. Uh, yeah, so Daniel's talking about how the humans uh, overthrew the Gould. Mm-hmm back in their history, and that, hey, maybe, just maybe, it was because Amaroka was successful, that she did her thing and, yeah, and made it happen. And, I mean, okay, fine, but part of me kind of felt like, you're kind of reaching for this one, Daniel. And it turns out he was, in fact, reaching. It's a nice thing to say. So then we have SG-1 listening to wave noises. Yes. And Keoxy's bubbles, you know. So, because I don't think we had actually specifically seen Teal'c seeing bubbles yet. He had said he had seen them, but this is the right. first time we see him see them. <laughs> and uh, they, they still have their memories of Daniel being alive and Daniel not being alive. And uh, and Hammond says, we need to, you need to be on the same page here before you can actually go back to duty. And then we go back to Daniel and the and Nem and uh, Daniel's like, wait a second, so you altered my friend's memories. Does this mean you can, like, bring up my memories? And he says, yes, but it's dangerous, it'll hurt him, possibly kill him. And Daniel's like, well, if you're not gonna let me leave anyway, I'm gonna have to take that risk. But I feel like you just, you just breezed right through the sound machine sequence where we had, where we got the wonderful cut to Teal'c's face. Oh, he yeah. is super into the sound machine happening. <laughs> You're right, I did. And it was amazing. That's <laughs> just, you know, teal. Because Jack is all, alright, listen, psycho babble guy. This ain't doing nothing for any of a what are you doing, teal? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, had, I, had, I did, in fact, breeze right through that. It was wonderful. It was a great moment. It was, like, one of the best of the entire episode. And this is a solid episode, but, you know, Teal'c's face, so good. So, anyway, the memory machine. Yeah. So, uh, so, he talks about the memory machine, but then we go back to the, to the, the team, and, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why, but the fact that you highlighted funerals made me laugh. I um, didn't know what the word was. <laughs> do you now? I do now. <laughs> because my computer told me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, uh, they, they're telling their story again, apparently for, for the umpteenth time, and Jack is understandably a little annoyed about this. And uh, Hammond, you see the idea... How long do you estimate you were on the other side of the gate? And they say... Uh, 
20 minutes, 25 maybe. Half hour tops. Dilk, I concur. You were gone almost four hours. And that's how they know for sure. Right, but as soon as he says that, one of them, I can't remember if it was, if it was Jack or, or Sam, then said, no, it couldn't have been. It's like, why would he lie? Yeah. Uh, so... Once again, Jack says they need to go through the gate, and this time Sam and Teal have the conditioned responses, which the psychologist is also helpful to point out. And then Sam's like, "We should. Uh, I, I will undergo the hypnosis to see if we can remember what really happened." It was weird to me the idea that she had said that it she had gone through hypnosis part as part of her undergrad, and it just it, it seemed odd to me that she had. Probably one of her electives was, like, hypnotherapy or something. Right, because she's a huge nerd. Okay, we can move on. So, my actual... I actually have a thought on this. Um, does hip, Is hypnosis really as, as useful in real life as it is on TV? Because it really does seem like TV makes it out like a really useful thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I don't know anyone personally who's ever had hypnotherapy. But have you ever known anyone personally who has had serious trauma that their brain is working to refuse to acknowledge? I mean, not that they've told me. Right, because their brain refuses to acknowledge it. Right, exactly! They don't even know. It's very true. But, like, they do, but they don't. <laughs> mm. I'm just wondering if, hypno- if hypnosis really is this useful, or if it's just sort of that, like, thing that only like that only fringe scientists use for things that don't really work hey even on fringe he barely used <laughs> hypnosis he was way more into the sensory deprivation tank i meant small f fringe but good callback love that show <laughs> it was a pretty good show what do you mean pretty good um but yeah no you're right like <sighs> hypnosis is often shown on TV as this thing where the doctor comes in and in a single session. Yeah. So regardless of whether or not hypnosis is a useful technique with dealing with PTSD or that family, maybe, I guess, of, of, uh, of issues. I'm willing to bet it definitely takes more than one session. It has to take more than one session, right? All right. So, listeners, if any of you have experience with hypnotherapy and would like to tell us how wrong or right we are, please let us know. Obviously, you can tweet at us at Stargate Weekly, but we understand that some things can't be contained within 140 characters. So we can also be reached um, at our email address, stargateweekly at gmail.com, if you want to share your thoughts. And it it doesn't have to be, like, uh, about any sort of serious issue. If you want to talk about, you know, how the gold tint on Teal's skin has changed from episode to episode, feel free. Oh my god, has it? <laughs> A little bit. I honestly hadn't noticed. <laughs> Not much, but there is some variation. <laughs> no, anything you want to talk about, so long as you don't tell us that we're bad. We we don't want negative feedback. It's I mean, too important that we not that we only ever get if, if you tell us we're bad, but then tell us how we can try to be not bad, that might be okay. I only want praise. Alright. Send constructive criticism to me, not to Stuart. Yes. Put Thad's name in the subject line. <laughs> Do, you know, Stuart, and then the rest of your subject for all the praise. Yes, email Thad if you want to complain about the show. <laughs> all right. This is great. We're so, like, the rails are like 100 yards to our left. We can't even see them. That's right. They're lost. They're lost in fog. The rails are. I think we might need to uh, go through some hypnosis to find those rails. (laughs) Can you tell me the last time you remember seeing the rails? I can remember them. Oh, God, the rails. (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) 
Sal. Uh, is Daniel being uh, tortured by the memory machine now? Yes. Uh, he is. Well, actually, no, he's not yet. Okay. Well, because Sam is remembering what really happened. Oh, that's right. We didn't get. We didn't. We didn't. They walked past those things you had to look up. Yes, the 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 funerals. Uh, for everyone else who doesn't know that isn't Thad, because come on now, the fumarole is an opening in or near a volcano through which hot sulfurous gases emerge. And, you know, like, props to wherever the source is for this definition for not uh, ending in a preposition, because that sentence could easily have gone that way. I feel like you're less likely to find that in a dictionary than in other things. Just because the kind of people who write dictionaries, I feel like, are also the kind of people who care deeply about grammar. Uh, yeah, no, I hadn't even touched on the fact that there were fumaroles or what they were. I would have just called them vents. Well, see... If the, I cared. And when you looked it up, I actually then looked it up myself just to make sure I hadn't used the wrong word. Mm-hmm. But I did, in fact, use the right word. Uh, and it just... I, I thought it was important to mention those because that's probably where the original suggestion of fire came from. The original suggestion... Oh, oh, uh, in their in their memory. Yeah, in the fake memory. Okay, I... You had said that, and I was thinking of fumaroles were the original suggestion of fire? You meant, like, in, like, actual history? <laughs> yes, like, just in the whole world history. I mean, maybe, but more likely lightning striking dead trees. Yes. It's hard to say, having, you know, there not being anyone alive from back then. Anyway. Yes. Um, and Nem comes up out of the water, looks at Daniel, and then walks over and grabs Kilk's stomach. Mm -hmm. Presumably detecting the gold in Kilk. Yes. And then he draws form for Daniel, which Daniel's like, oh, it's form. I think he wants to know if we're from Babylon, or the people that made Babylon. And then Daniel draws another symbol, and the alien knocks everybody out. Like you do in first contact scenarios. Yeah. Right. Now Daniel is being tortured. Ah, okay, wonderful. That's what I live for. <laughs> it happens so often. It so does. Alright. So Daniel's being memory tortured. Mm-hmm. And he does remember what the very little bit that he read about Omaraka. Uh, and that she dwelt in the sea, but she came to the city by day. And that the god Bellus came down and destroyed her. Right. Like, cut her into pieces or something to that effect, I think it was. Yeah, gross. Yeah. And... Then Dan and then he turns off the machine and Daniel's like, ah, oh, Bellis was a gould. And Nem is understandably a little upset at the news that Omaraka was killed. I'm wondering what Nem has been doing for the last four thousand years. That had not occurred to me. How long have you been wondering that? The whole time? I mean a little bit, but just okay. now, like it really like hit home for some reason. Yeah, that hadn't occurred to me at all, but now I too am wondering. I'm on board. Cause like four thousand years ago. His he lost his mate. What fate, Amaroka? And didn't know what. And it never like at any point, even apparently tried to go back or do anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, they clearly have knowledge of the Stargates. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. They either have knowledge of the Stargates or of interstellar travel. Either way. Right. So it's not like. How do I get to the place where my beloved died was, like, lost information to them. Well, if he did only have the knowledge of the Stargate, and he maybe, after a while, he did try to go back, and it may have been after the gate was buried. But, like, they don't even say that. Like, that doesn't, like, it's not like they say that, so that's not something that we can take for granted, that they only have knowledge of the gate. Hmm. Right. Yeah, no, like I said, I hadn't been thinking about this before, but I'm on board now. But I'll say this much, unrelated to why Nim never went back to find out the fate of their lover. What fate, Amaroka? But we had been presuming Nim's ginger this whole time. That is true. I mean, 
I'm sure that the writers had in mind that Nim was a dude and Amaroka was a was a woman. I'm not sure why I opted for dude and woman and it kind of fell apart there. When I was I'm pretty it. sure at some point Omaraka is referred to as a she. Okay, yeah, but I don't think Nim... Nim is never even referred to as Nim, so I mean... I, I think, well, until he is, but I think that... <laughs> until they are. Well, I, I want to say, like, when Jackson is telling them something about, hey, Nim, and this, that, and the other, like, when the name comes out and everything, that he starts dropping gender... Yeah, but he could just be assuming the gender. Right. And this is definitely something that was not in anyone's head 20 years ago. Yeah. Or 10 years ago. Yeah, people were not really woke to that yet. Or even five years ago. Eh, there there definitely were people five years ago. Right, but it's... Like, I I was certainly aware of a lot of that five years ago. Okay, fair enough. But was but were TV shows? Oh, short sure, certainly not. No, that's what I'm. There's getting TV at. shows today that's, that aren't. Well, yeah, no, definitely. That being said, one of my favorite TV shows that I only catch once it hits Netflix and I binge through the whole season in like two weeks is uh, Madam Secretary, which I enjoy because of how they deal with things like that. You know, the the husband bringing up. Situations where he or others being gaslighted, they talk about at, at a certain point the the eldest daughter had a sexual relationship with with someone else, and they took pictures in the bedroom, and then someone leaked those pictures, and there was a whole kerfuffle about that because, of course, the show is about the Secretary of State and her family. Uh, but there's even a scene where the Secretary of State is with her husband saying, oh my goodness, thank God when we took all of our pictures in the bedroom, we didn't have the internet. Mm. So this idea that this is so- that, that sort of thing has been going on forever, but only now is it actually a thing you need to worry about. And with regard to the gender thing, it's sort of the inverse is true where it hasn't been going on forever, but we should really start to care about it. Yeah. And in some in some circumstances it was going on forever. It's just it was the the people that were not identifying as the gender that people were assuming they were just were for the most part closeted about it. Oh no, I was referring more to the idea of the awareness. Oh, I get okay, I get you. And how we approach it, that has not been going on forever. No, it has not. That that's probably what should I was, have been, but it hasn't. Well, no, of course. That's what I was referring to. Gotcha. Was the idea that, you know, maybe we should have always been doing this. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should have always just said, okay, you know, you be you. Word. Not to get into too much politics, and by all means, email Thad if you disagree with us. I only oh, want praise. I, I'm actually totally willing to, to... Because I love arguing with people about this sort of thing. And if you have... If you have, you know, view, uh, completely different views on this and think and views that I would completely disagree with, I'll be happy to tell you how wrong you are. So, <laughs> go right ahead. Jesus. Stargate Weekly, your source for the latest in 20-year-old Stargate episodes... And cutting-edge political uh, commentary. <laughs> okay, so basically at this point, the episode's Maybe not over. not cutting-edge, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Cutting-edge from a couple of cis white dudes. Yeah. In middle America. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, at this point, basically the episode's over, right? Like, yeah, not I mean, our episode, yeah. but the, the episode of Stargate. Uh, yeah, we haven't, we haven't done the final, you know, scene yet, where uh, Jack... Uh, where the SG-1 comes back through the gate, goes to the beach, and Nim comes up out of the water, they raise their weapons, and then Daniel comes up, is like, don't shoot him. And oh, okay. they realize, that, yeah, the, the the final thing. And then there's obviously the jokes about uh, how they've cleaned out Daniel's apartment and such. Right, because as we discussed on, I can't remember the name of the episode right now, but the one with the Greeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brief Candle. Yes. You know, the one where Jack gets raped. Yep. Where it's, that happens, 
And then they just don't talk about it. Yep. Yeah, because the show's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so as I said at the beginning, I really enjoy this episode. Yeah. I, I wonder how much of that is in the light of I'm watching it in 2017 and they're dealing with things like PTSD and how one handles their memories being altered either by their brain or by outside influences. Yeah, that sort of thing is really interesting to me, is how one's brain protects itself. Mm-hmm. And the idea that this that Nim has this technology that can also then push in a false memory, that to me, I, I, I don't know, something about it just really, you know, does something for me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, good. Because otherwise I have to get a new co-host. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. I think Carla. <laughs> Carla would be on board. Uh, Carla, Carla doesn't like SG-1. I can get Joe. Joe would be on board. Joe would not be on board. I can get... Joe likes Stargate. Joe would not be on board for this. Damn. Tell me I'm wrong. You're... No, you're you're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know, thanks for listening to our kind of weird episode. No, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy how we're... Where we're steering the podcast with regards to how we're talking about the episodes. Find me at Gamicus on Twitter, and I've even been tweeting things lately, and I'm going to continue to do so. You can find me at Tyrannicus on Twitter. The show is at Stargate Weekline Twitter. Start. (laughs) (laughs) The show is at Stargate Weekly on Twitter, which we mentioned two or three times throughout the episode. We also have an email address, which we had never mentioned before, but obviously we had one, because it's 2017, as we mentioned three or four times throughout the episode. (laughs) It's stargateweekly at gmail.com. But no, please email us uh, anything you have that needs 141 characters to, (laughs) to work out. You can also go to our Facebook page. Yes, we also have our Facebook page. We are Stargate Weekly on Facebook, which apparently at Stargate Weekly works there as well, which is great. Yeah, no, that's the episode. Next week, we are going to be discussing Season 1, Episode 14, Hathor. And I really hope you tune in. Uh, Don't forget to like, favorite, rate, subscribe, five-star, email, tweet, comment, and just uh, tell your friends. If they're also into Stargate, and we understand if they're not, because only some of ours are. So, thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm. So, serious question Do you kill your keyboards? Literally never. <laughs> <laughs>